Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. We have been on a journey of looking at... Actually, actually, they're all P words. They start with a P. Yes, a lot of alliterations. And just about how we have this freedom in God and, and what, you know, it started with what our position in God is now, which that's where you get your identity, is, a, is understanding what your position is as in, in God. And a position is that place that he set you in, that he made you to be. And so out of that, we have such freedoms that come to us and everything. And then uh, looking at performance and what that means and staying away from legalism. But this morning, I want to talk to you about this, about, because we talked last week, how do, what, you know, what does God do with our sin when we sin? And we looked at that and we talked about him being parent, using that P word. As a parent, God comes to us. And is able to correct us. We all, I, I don't know of any believer who doesn't want that. We, we want that kind, and I want it from God as Father. I want the Father correcting me. Now, I know for some of you, you had difficult earthly fathers, and that's hard, hard to relate. I get it. Trust me, I get it. My wife's lived with my stories for years, and it's been part of my journey is navigating that. But Jesus, you can do this, is a good, good father. And he will always parent you in that way. So this morning, I want to look at our posture before God. So if we're not performing, what is it that we have that we're to carry out? And posture comes in a lot of ways. So let's look at this. This is a good long passage of scripture. And read it with me. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. By the way, when it, when it talks about that this is what he prays, guess what would be a good prayer to pray for other people? These kind of prayers that we find. They're, uh, in biblical study, they're called the high apostolic prayers. Most of them came from Paul. There's actually 14 of them found in the New Testament. So he says, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Now remember, when anxiety is lifted, what do you ask? To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You get that, you get light. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints here comes that light word in the light as those things come in it says look you were qualified by god keep reading he's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. What a sentence. I wish I could write this way. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. There should be all kinds of music playing right now. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. You're firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have the preeminence, that means the first place. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Here comes a big statement. And you. He paints this grandiose picture. And he presents it. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. You're not waiting for something. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Now, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. We keep trying to get something that God's given us. This position that we're in. But then there is something. He says, don't drift away from this. There's a, there's a way of looking at your life now that is completely different. The way we sit. The way we stand. The way we walk is all done from this place of security. What he just wrote in in this passage. Because he lives, I live. It's a place of humility and faith rather than the pride-shame issue or the fables and fantasies issues. I don't earn, I receive. I don't control, I submit. Our boast is in the Lord as our dependence. And that is what we would call posture. How do you posture yourself uh, before God? I've seen such goofy stuff with this. You know, we were talking about it in our small group today. Here's an incredible thing. Jesus is the high king of kings, is he not? The Lord of lords. You read, you read Psalm or Isaiah 40. God, the creator calls you his friend what it's because we've taken the idea of friendship too lightly we're not calling God down to be friends he's calling us up to be friends so we have this it's this incredible thing that has happened for us how then should I carry myself what is my 
What is my power? Do you really see what God is saying about you? It's, it was found right there in what I just read. He's saying that about you. We all struggle with self-image. We need to get over it. We really need that. That's what the gospel is, is getting over. He says, don't drift away from this gospel. I, I, I always thought that meant don't, don't stumble in sin. That's not what he's talking about at all here. He doesn't even say that. He says, look, have a different posture in me. Well, what do you mean by posture? Got it for you. Here's what it means. The position or bearing of the body, whether it's characteristic or assumed for a special purpose. So my posture as a believer is because I have a purpose here on earth for Christ to live his life in me. Whew. When I go get a cup of coffee, wherever it is, the person that is entering that place to get coffee was a person that he just said, and you? <laughs> and described all those things. It's also, it's a state of condition at a given time, uh, especially with respect to your capability in particular circumstances. How many of you feel weak? Good. Here's what the scripture says. You are strong in the Lord. It's your posture. I don't go on my feelings and go on my posture, how I'm presented. I am strong in the Lord. I can be weak. The flesh is weak. If you're being weak, that's the flesh. If you're being strong, that's the Spirit of God, what you said about prayer rising up in you. Prayer being weak, when we get done praying, guess what? We've put on the strength of God. We've declared, we've postured ourselves before God. The other one is this, and I think this is the most important. A conscious mental or outward behavioral attitude. If you have an attitude of defeat, of shame, of less than, not good enough, can't make it, mess up, you've moved away from the gospel because the gospel removed all those things. So that means you're not living by the gospel. It doesn't have, the amount, have anything to do with the amount of sinning. Nothing can take the gospel from you. Sin is not powerful enough to remove the gospel from you. I have this security that I walk with God. Does that mean I will never sin? You don't have to. You probably will. Flesh is weak. So what is strength for me? To move back into the gospel. So you look at the word posture, and it comes out this way. Think of the day. I looked at posture words um, in the New Testament. Watchman D wrote a whole book on this. Uh, I think it's, I believe it's called uh, Sit, Walk, Stand. Yeah. So I'm going to do walk. This is how important it is, because it's a, it's a word that means it means something so simple that all of us can understand it and so big it's like saying all that stuff that Paul said about God in this passage that we just read. 
He's higher above every principality. That's how big it is. And it's so simple that I become familiar with it and don't understand how important my walk is. Over 60 times in the New Testament, the word walk is used. The vast majority of them is not the actual, but it's about having your posture, the way you carry yourself out in this world's affairs with God. It's mostly used, it's figurative, yes, but it describes something. It describes how you should live, um, how you should, here's an old-fashioned word, deport yourself. Um, most of us don't use that word anymore. Um, when I was younger, girls were taught deportment. They actually taught them in public school. They had a whole class that the boys couldn't go to on deportment. They taught the girls how to sit, how to be what they called ladylike. Some of you that are a little bit older will remember that. And you actually had class, when to speak, when to be silent, when to get up and help somebody. When to, and it was called deportment. And it was, listen, we're making light of it. It was really important because it set that person apart as this is what you want to look like. This is what, we would say it today, man, she's a class act. That, it produced class, uh, a, a type of walk, the manner in which one carried themselves. It, it means your demeanor. So uh, how you deport yourself. By the way, it wasn't just for girls. It was guys too, only they called it things like being sh chivalrous. They, yeah, they taught us characters and, and value. Uh, synonym would be your bearing, which implies character, your posture, your mannerisms, and your manner. Uh, another synonym is carriage, um, how you walk. Let's look at, just listen to some of these. These are some walk scriptures that are found in the Word of God. Because I want you to get the, this is supposed to be your, be your posture of how you walk out this life. I'm just going to read a bunch of them to you. I'll give you the address. So they're, they're not going to be up there. We'll look at one specifically. Just hear them this morning. Because something happens in the human heart. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. That the righteous requirement of the law, this is Romans 8, 4, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans 13. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, nor in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To fulfill its lust. You want to walk strong in the Lord? Put him on. Pray him on. Another prayer time. Galatians 5 verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So you do not know the things that you wish. Another way of saying that is you're going to stumble because your left leg's going to go one way and your right leg the other. 
They're contrary to each other. They have different directions. You become unstable. Later in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, do you live in the Spirit? Uh, Throw out all your charismatic teachings. Because Romans says this, if you've received God, you've received the Spirit of God. You live in the Spirit. Do you live in the Spirit? So this is what it says, then walk in the Spirit. Let the way you deport yourself be that. Whew. Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We put up with other people that we don't get along with because that's the way we walk. And we walk the way we walk because that's how God put his life in us. I walk worthy. Not to get something. I walk worthy because that's who I am. He says later in verse 17, This I say therefore, it's amazing how many times he uses the posture of walking. This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. You can talk with them, but you can't walk with them. What do you mean? I can have interactions with them, but I'm not going to walk that way. I don't care how many Stephen... What's his name? Song they they sang. Walk this way. Uh uh. That's not my way. I walk Jesus' way. Taylor. Tyler. Oh, he's got a daughter. I can make the connection. I always need Dave around to help me with the old rock and roll stuff. Listen to what he says later. He does this so many times in Ephesians, talking about your walk. Your deportment in God. Chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Did you hear what that just said? Where we started this morning? You were once, I, you are now light. <sighs> Walk as children of light. That means you don't stumble around. I know where I'm going. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. If you have any doubt, guess who you should ask? You know, it's really funny, because most preaching is about judgments. About how God's going to judge you and everything. Really, most preaching should be about how to walk as children of light. To see yourself in your true identity. I don't need to tell you it was wrong. I can guarantee if I could sit down and talk with each one of you individually, I don't need to say, did you know that was wrong? Did, did you know being mean and ugly with your words to your spouse is wrong? No, oh, I didn't know that. Doggone, I'm going to have to quit doing that. <laughs> That's mic drop time. 
We know, don't you know it immediately? Think of your own life. Think of all the little stuff you do. The minute you do it and it's out of kilter, what happens inside of you? Your, oh, that was wrong, meter goes off. Some people call that something else, but <laughs> that's off. I, you don't have to have somebody else tell you. This is what I found. Holy Spirit's such an excellent teacher. He's such, he reflects everything of the good father. You don't have to walk in the futility of, of somebody else's view. Here's the one we're going to look at. Ephesians 5.15 See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The times we're living in is why I wanted to focus on this scripture. Remember, it's used over 60 times, 63 in in the New King James. What is circumspectly? What, what on earth? This is the way I'm supposed to walk. Well, it's an interesting word. Uh, it means in an exact copy, actually, is what circumspectly means. That you, you're careful to be upright and straight. Think about your posture. Sit up straight. And careful to consider all the circumstances and possible consequences. To walk circumspectly means to walk with prudence. Prudence means practical wisdom. It's, by the way, it's what, all, it's what all law in our courts of law are based on. Yeah, jurisprudence. You get your degree in jurisprudence. And... Prudence is what any practical person would do with that given situation. It's the prudent thing to do. Common, we used to call it good old common sense. When you walk circumspectly, you're using common sense. When you're walking in the light, you use God's sense. God's in you. He's shining His light into that circumstance. That's why so he says, don't walk, as a, don't walk without God here. Every time I got in trouble, it's because I was ignoring the Lord. I say, well, you're tempted to sin. No, I was ignoring God. Sin doesn't have any hold on me. I died to sin. I was trying to see it outside of God. Trying to get something met in me outside of God. And God's in me. I don't need anything... What could they give you? He comes right. You keep coming after me. You want to pray the great dangerous prayer that affects this posture thing? God. This is, this is the one. This is your, your little prayer. It's like help Lord. God don't leave me alone. He says, okay, now we can go someplace. Now let's walk circumspectly. Don't leave me alone, because he'll keep coming after you. You know, and part of it, when I first started praying the prayer, I did it out of weakness. I went, I'm weak. I'll mess this up. If you leave me alone, I'm done for, so don't leave me alone. 
uh, asked, actually asked him, don't let me get away with anything. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> get ready for the life of Riley there. But it did. It trained. So he started speaking to me about my tongue and my mouth. Isn't that funny? You think it'd be about your weird temptations. He talked to me about this thing. Circumspectly. Circumspect, the word does this. It suggests less fear and stresses, okay, by surveying all the possible consequences before acting or deciding. That's why I said, say help, Lord. Don't let, I need, that's our dependence. That's how we walk. There it is. Look, these, your posture. So I wrote it my, because I was preaching to myself when I wrote this, okay? I'm, I'm, I, I need this as much as all of us need this. My posture before God is to first see myself as he sees me. That's how I see me. I recognize my position. This in turn causes me to critically think through the circumstances and problem solve not by performance to get or achieve something, but by response of who I am and what that means to worthiness. It affects my deportment. How I answer someone. My people used to come to me, they come to me for counseling, I'd say, you know, there's a difference between counseling and pastoral care. I can give you pastoral care. I'm not a very good counselor. I'm really not. I know other people that are gifted in that area. I get stuck with your mother. Uh, but pastoral care, here, here's what I know. What the word says that's true about me and that position that set me in affects all the ways that I carry myself in life. And when I keep reminding myself that, I walk differently. And I speak to people differently. And so when I talk to them, do you want, I, I will say stuff like this when they meet with me. Would you like my opinion on that? Get permission. Because it affects my deportment. You may not see it the way I see it. You should. But I don't even say that. Listen, God redeemed my position in Christ. I have a redeemed what it said. He's presented me holy and blameless to himself. Why would I present myself any other way to him? Think about your deportment. God will never cast you away because of your shame, but you don't have to come to him in shame. You are never invited to come to him in shame. It says in, in Hebrews, we come boldly to a throne of grace. He doesn't want to identify with your shame. He died for your shame. He put it away. Done. He redeemed my position so I can redeem my time and my circumstances. That's circumspect. 
He trains me in life to be who he made me to be in my redeemed self. God wants to make you Christ-like. No, he redeemed me. In him I am Christ-like. So walk that way. That's what the Holy Spirit says. So walk that way. His grace, see, we, hey, I, to, I told everybody this morning this. Because people who don't understand the gospel of grace and the emphasis of grace that grace preachers do. Listen, I want to tell you something very clearly when it comes to your walk of God. Grace is not a smear of cream cheese on a moldy bagel. Bagel's still moldy if that's how you see grace. And it doesn't make it taste any different. That is not great. Grace is the empowerment from God to be everything he made me to be. And to do everything. Said grace in Ephesians 2 says that he, he has good works for you to walk in by grace. Grace is an empowerment for you to live circumspectly, to walk a walk worthy of the Lord. That's what grace does. Grace gets me to recognize who I am. Well, the real issue you're talking about is still obedience. Yes. Are we to obey? Yes. Grace doesn't allow me to be less obedient. Grace is, actually causes me to be more obedient. Righteousness is not less important to me. Righteousness is me. My behavior, my deportment of who I am is not less than, it's greater. I've been called to the high place. That's what grace does. I don't obey to have a relationship with God. I obey because I'm in a relationship with God. He leads me into walking circumspectly. Because I'm a grace person, they don't get to steal that from me. For the first time in my life, I understand this now. I get to shout it aloud. It set me free. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He's the road. It's right there in John 1. My walk is not so that others think I'm a good religious person. I walk in God. I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Don't sin or God will get mad at you. Don't sin because you died to sin. Doesn't have authority over you. That's circumspectly. I walk in righteousness, robes of righteousness. We used to sing the song. He has clothed me with robes of righteousness. Read Ephesians. It's part of my armor. Stunning. It all comes down. It changes the way I read this and the way I understand it. I want you to get this this morning. I just I get so excited about this because these are game changers that will change your life. Like immediately? Yes! If you allow it. If you walk in it. Yes. 
How do you know that? Because <laughs> I went, quit practicing the other way and started practicing this, and by golly, it works. I am not little Lloyd Rindles from 425 Maine, Janesville, Iowa, that was the son of the town drunk that had no money, had rotten teeth, somebody else's clothes, hated going to school, filled with shame, and scared to death that some other adult was going to beat me. That's not who I am. I'm Lloyd Rendell's filled with the Holy Spirit of God, a righteous man on the earth, walking this way not to prove anything, but I'm walking this way, it's because I who I am. This is the real me. The redeemed me is the real me. The redeemed you is the real you. You don't have to become the real you. You are the real you. Now walk this way. We keep trying to walk this way to become that. I am that. So I walk this way. One becomes legalism. The other one is such freedom. Listen to Galatians 2. He's, so he's talking about who you are and then why you can't do this through the law and what happens to you when you're trying to. And it'll, we all use this, but we never read the stuff above it or below it. Ephesians 2.17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, that's what I just preached to you, we are... We, also ourselves are, excuse me, we ourselves also are found sinners. Now he's not talking about one act of sin. If I identify as being a sinner, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? That's what he came here to do? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, that means I died. I make myself a transgressor. You're trying to make yourself into somebody you're not. And so you always feel out of kilter. I'm a righteous person. Then don't make yourself into a transgressor. Deport yourselves differently. Walk circumspectly. Not as fools. Redeeming the time. For I, through the law, died to the law. Listen to this. Don't leave out this last part. That I might live to God. This has been... took so long. But the past ten years, I finally learned how to live to God. To live in God. To live as God. God living as me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I will be in you, and you will be in me, just as I was in the Father, and the Father was in me. How do those kind of people walk? Stunning. Stunning. If you say anything less than that of yourself, you missed it. You missed what he did. Am I capable of making a mistake? Yes, but I'm not identified as that mistake. 
So then he says this. Now we always, we always use this, but we never use the stuff in front of it. I have been crucified with Christ. How do you walk this out? It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I, which I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not, look at what the, this verse says, this is all the same thought. And I do not aside, set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Don't set grace aside. It empowers you. You'll fail. A life without grace is a life of failure. You will try and you will try and you will try and you will never achieve. And you will always walk with some kind of weird thing. You know, if you ever wake up in the morning, and then I'll close with this. I know this went a little bit long, but we needed to hear this. When you step on your neck wrong, you ever done that? Or your shoulder wrong or something? You wake up in the next morning, you're like this. You walk all day like this. If you don't get that taken care of, you'll do it for a week. After you've done it for a week, you'll put up with it for another month. After you've done it for a month, it just becomes the way you walk. So the th biggest error I see in the church is you've got a bunch of people with wrong posture. And they don't know how to walk. Because if you're like this, it affects your walk. You walk weird. Why are you walking so weird? How do we walk in Christ? Nobility. Nobility. You ever see the way Elizabeth walks? Think that lady didn't learn some deportment? I know it's weird there when it gets into some of it. She walks regal because that's how she was taught to walk. There was a special instructor that showed her how to do it. Holy Spirit is our special instructor. Walk with my head up, my heart clean, and my hands praising God. That's our posture. That's how I walk. Why? Because that's who I am. I'm not doing it to get a reward from God. I'm doing it because that's who I am. Really counts. You got time for one story? Quick one? Right after I got saved... I didn't understand all this then, but right after I got saved, I was still in the military, and I was working a drug dog because the guy who ran the kennels was trying to trap me because he knew I did drugs. And he said, I'm going to put you in an hypocrisy trap. I'm going to make you a drug dog handler. His name was Damesworth. Oh, I want whole name just made me irritated. <laughs> said, okay, I'll handle your drug dog for you. I just got a bull, you know, I just got a bullseye on my back from everybody that I hung out with on the base. So we got sent down to this army base. Not a base, it's a fort, Fort Huachuca, which is just a little ways above the Mexican border. It's a training base. We went down there and did a general, what's called a general inspection. 
drug bust. We go through common areas and go through their bedrooms, their rooms and stuff. And my dog looks for drugs. He's one of the best heroin dogs of his time. And he hits on pot and heroin and all those things. He's a, he was an incredible dog. His name was Buddy. And uh, he was crazy, but he was, he was really good. Good at what he did. And I go in this one room, they kind of let, so I was off by myself because you don't want other people affecting the dog. And Damesworth was off with their first sergeant. And they're looking at other stuff that I found up in the ceiling or that Buddy found. And I get in this room and he keeps going to this closet. He keeps spinning around real fast and he starts going, <laughs> you know, doing that, kind of not barking, but getting real. And I went, Huh, I looked through, I couldn't find, I looked on the shelves and felt up there. You're always careful because they'll put razor blades and stuff up there. Feeling up there and nothing, nothing. He keeps going back. Every time I try to take him out of the room, he spins around and goes back to this closet. And he keeps going up under this guy's clothing. And finally I look and he's got his dress greens in there. You know, it's just some, you know, lowest class private. Like he's, he's an E1 or probably an E2, and I pat down his dress greens, and yeah, that feels like a baggie. I got him. I reach in there, and I pull out this bag, and it's a roll of bills, currency, hundreds, fifties, and twenties, and it's about that big around, about as big around as a dime bag of pot. And I could tell there was probably residue in it, and that's probably what he was hitting on. I went, ain't no private in the Army got that kind of money and holding it that kind of way. And I've been trained to do this now. And then I remembered Brenda and I. And the Air Force had messed up my pay, so they reduced my pay because they thought they overpaid me for months. And I was a buck sergeant, not making much money, and we were broke barely making it payday to payday. Guess what I was tempted with? Take the money and run. It would have been so easy. A kid's not going to turn it in. I mean, think through. You think through things. You're not going to turn it in. Hey, they stole my money. Where'd you get that money? (laughs) Nobody's in the room with me. Nobody would know. So easy to slip in my pocket. I mean, we were, we were struggling to have, it, that was one of the leanest times in our life. And then I thought about who I was now. I'd gotten saved, and I was a different person. I used to be a thief prior to that. But God said, let him who steals, steal no more. I wasn't a thief anymore. So I put it back in his dress greens and Called him in and told the first surgeon about it. He said, there's no, you need to talk to him about the money he's got. I can't prove there's pot in there. But you need to have a long talk with him and help his, straighten his life out. So on the way home, I start telling Damesworth the story. And you know what he does? You idiot! What in the blankety blank blank is wrong with you? We could have split that money on the way home. Do you know how much money was probably in a roll of bills? That be? I mean, today it probably would have been you know, eight or $10,000. It was then. It'd be more than that now. And I looked at him and I said, it's not who I am. That's not who I am. I can't take something that's not mine. That would make me a thief. 
walk that way. Walk exactly who God made you to be. Teach your children, not right and wrong. Teach them how to live in God and be who God made them to be. They'll learn right and wrong on the journey, and you can tell them what's right and wrong, but you tell them who they are in God, it's a game changer. That's, you do it because that's who you are. That's the difference trying to attain righteousness and having righteousness. Stand with me. Celebrate God's righteousness this Christmas and understand that he will not hold anything against your account and he will see you exactly who the redeemed you is. That's how he will relate to you and that's what he will call you to. To walk a walk worthy of the Lord. Jesus, I bless every believer's heart here this morning. That wherever condemnation resides, wherever a wrong image resides, wherever shame resides, wherever a misunderstanding resides, that you would pull them into a right posture. And that they would see themselves with you. And see who they really are. By revelation, I ask for the revelation of the Holy Spirit, just like Paul prayed, that they would know what the will of God is for them. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.